Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives. But those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp's software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC. Terms and conditions apply. This is the Lightning Round Podcast with your hosts, Garrett Sisti and Jamie Hoyle. Go Chargers, go! You're listening to the Lightning Round Podcast. With me is Jamie. He is at lightning underscore round. I am Garrett, which is at Garrett Sisti. And today we're just going to jump right into the show and give you our 53-man roster predictions. Jamie's going to give you his. I will give you mine. Uh, cuts usually come fast, and sometimes they come even after that fourth game. So we wanted to get these in early, but you know, of course, that means that we don't have the luxury of watching Game Four to see if anybody makes their way onto the roster like Austin Eckler did a few years ago. So uh, we we're going to get this in early. We're going to view our early fifty-three man roster projections, and let's just go ahead and get right into it. Uh, we'll kind of trade off going back and forth. We'll go offense, then we'll go defense and special teams. So first up on offense. Let's start off with a group that's a little bit more difficult than we kind of imagined going into preseason. It is the quarterbacks. Yeah, so I I mean, I think everybody knows who the first two quarterbacks are going to be. Uh, obviously, that's going to be Phillip Rivers and Tyrod Taylor. And then from there, it gets a little sticky. Uh, do they keep three quarterbacks? Should they keep three quarterbacks? If they do and they should, who should that third quarterback be? I think we all assume going into the preseason and camp that that third quarterback was going to be Easton Stick because he was a fifth-round pick, and it seems like they think pretty highly of him. Uh, but we saw something that I think very few of us expected. That is obviously 
Cardell Jones putting together two straight, very solid games. Um, he was great against the Saints last week, and then this week, this weekend, he was really actually he might have even been better without without putting up points in a lot of ways against the Seahawks. So the question is, which way do they go? Uh, I I have some fears that the last two games for for Jones might have been enough to get him on the roster, kind of serving as confirmation bias for a coaching staff that we know thinks pretty highly of him, and especially Anthony Lynn, who has some t- some pretty strong ties to him before they even got here. But I think in the end, it's pretty difficult for this team to just burn a fifth-round pick. So unless Easton Stick just completely falls on his face in the fourth preseason game, uh, I think he builds on the momentum that he that he had against the Seahawks over the weekend. I think Easton Stick winds up just barely beating out Cardell Jones just because he's a fifth-round pick. They don't want to burn that draft capital. They've got control of him for, I think, three, three maybe four years, if I'm not mistaken. He's inexpensive. And, I mean, at this point, I know Cardell has looked good in the preseason, but do we really think that Cardell at 26 or 27 years old is going to be a starting quarterback when Rivers retires in two or three years? Probably not. So if they're looking to develop somebody for the future, whether it's as a long-term backup or as a starter, you would think that Stick would probably get that nod. So I'm going with Stick here. It's not an easy call, and it's probably something I'm going to change my mind on six times between now and the end of the week. <laughs> and you never know what happens if Cardell plays really well on on uh, Thursday this week. But for now, I've got Stick. So my three, Rivers, Taylor, and Easton Stick. Yeah, we have the same three here. You know, Cardell Jones made it a hell of a case for QB3. Ultimately, like you mentioned, the Chargers invested draft capital in Easton Stick to be a developmental project. So, you know, throughout the preseason, Cardell Jones is thrown for 208 yards, has a touchdown. Easton Stick is thrown for 222 yards, a touchdown, two interceptions, and also has two rushing touchdowns. So by the stats, Easton Stick has had a better preseason than Jones. Though, if you're, you know, watching the game, Cardell Jones has been the better quarterback through the last two games. I think Stick sealed it with that second half performance against the Seahawks. He almost led them back from an overall dismal game from the entire team, to be honest with you. But, uh, you know, you got to commend Cardell Jones for his growth, his progression this preseason. But I don't think the team can afford losing Easton Stick and exposing him to waivers. You know, they've given. Cardell Jones chance after chance and it just seems like it's great that he's done it now but it's just a little bit too little too late if he would have done it last season maybe he would have had a longer leash but because they invested in Easton Stick I think they end up going with him and keeping him on the roster as the third quarterback it'll be Phillip Rivers Tyrod Taylor and Easton Stick so then moving on to running backs uh, this group is three, uh, you know, obviously minus Melvin Gordon. It is going to be Austin Eckler, Justin Jackson, and I have them keeping Troy Main Pope. Uh, he's been the RB3 all preseason long. Dietrich Newsom has kind of taken that back seat. Pope had that long punt return touchdown against the Saints, giving him the inside track for RB3 and that backup returner duties if the Chargers need it. Newsom has some flashes last year, um, hasn't really put in enough on tape this year to think that he has earned himself not only a roster spot, but that, you know, teams would jump on the chance of getting him on waivers. So there's a pretty good chance that he passes through waivers and they're able to put Newsom on the practice squad. He's exciting, but he was definitely outplayed by uh, Troy May Pope during the preseason. So I've got Pope with the last roster spot, Austin Eckler, Justin Jackson, Troy May Pope as your three running backs. 
I have the same three. It is important to note that as of right now, Melvin Gordon is still technically on the active roster. Um, the Chargers do have an opportunity to potentially get a player exemption for him, a roster exemption for him. If he does not report by Wednesday, which is the day before their final preseason game, they have the opportunity to notify he and the players union in writing that they're going to get a player's uh, roster exemption for him. If they do that, they would not have to pay him for the preseason. They would not have to pay him for the first three games of the regular season. And he would remain on the exempt list through the first three games of the regular season, whether he came back before then or not, or whether the team traded him or not. Uh, I have a hard time seeing them keep stubbornly keeping him on the roster. So I have to think that if he doesn't come for the preseason game, which I don't think he will, that they will seek that exemption and just say, fine, if you don't want to come, we're not going to pay you for the next three weeks. Have at it. So that's my guess. I have Eckler, Jackson, and Pope as well. I did toy with the possibility of the Chargers keeping Eckler, Jackson, Pope, and Newsom, just because we talked about them keeping four running backs when Gordon was on the roster mm-hmm. when, before he held out. So without him, you would think that they might at least be considering that just to get an extra body and to get some, you know, an extra person to have some carries there. But for now, I don't think Newsom's really earned a roster spot, whereas I think Pope has done more. And you could argue that in some ways, at times, Pope has looked better than Jackson and Eckler. So Pope definitely earning that third running back spot. And right now I'm thinking Newsom not really worth that fourth spot. And like you mentioned, and we talked about this when we did some early predictions before the preseason, I didn't think he was necessarily a lock to make the roster. I don't think he's a guy teams are going to rush to pick up. I do think you can sneak him onto the practice squad without much risk. So there's really no reason to try to, you know, hang on to him like they did with, say, a Justin Jackson last year at cutdown day. Yeah, and we'll kind of get into it uh, with these other position groups too because we'll have to make it up somewhere else. Um, the next group is fullbacks. There's not really a conversation here, so you don't even have to get into that. Uh, Derek Watt is the fullback. There was a talk of Jeremy Cox being a guy that they had hoped they'd get something from in camp, but uh, – you know, not really worth a conversation here. So let's just move on to tight ends. Give me how many tight ends you think the Chargers are carrying. I think they're carrying three tight ends. Um, and this is, I think this position group has turned out differently than the way both of us expected it to coming into the preseason and camp. Uh, earlier in the offseason, we both said that we thought this team would bring Gates back somewhere around the third or fourth week of the preseason. And while there's still a chance they could do that, I have them going into the season with Hunter Henry uh, Virgil Green and Sean Culkin as their three tight ends. I think if you look at the way that depth chart is built now, we saw Green catch a pass uh, against the Seahawks this week. He's also arguably the best blocking tight end on the roster, certainly right up there with Henry. And we've seen Culkin. They use, they've used Culkin as a fullback. They've used him uh, as a move tight end. They've thrown the ball to him quite a bit. I think they get more versatility, more blocking in the running game, and possibly some additional pass protection with those three guys on the roster than they would with Gates. And I think that pass protection piece is really important with the way the offensive line has looked. So I think Henry Green and Culkin wind up making the roster. I think the team looks at it and realizes they don't really need Antonio Gates. I think they can replace what little production they got from Gates as a receiver last year from the combination of Green and Culkin. And obviously having Henry back lessens the need to bring back a one dimensional tight end in Gates as great as he has been for the team, I just don't think there's a role for him. And I don't think there's an urgency to bring him back as much as we might've thought there would have been uh, 
you know, when the preseason st- or when the uh, when camp started. Yeah, so we're the same here too, Henry Green Colkin, and I think this position group really locked itself in once Andrew Vollert went down with that ACL injury. Uh, he was the only tight end that was making any type of noise in camp, and uh, he went down. So this was just set in stone with Henry Green and Colkin. Colkin has shown some reliable hands in the preseason. Looked really good as a blocker. You mentioned you know they've done this uh, the past couple of years, having Colkin line up in that fullback position too. So. Good blocker. They've got three really good blocking tight ends, uh, something we haven't really mentioned on this show, but Colkin is getting up there with Virgil Green. I think uh, some of their best runs in the preseason has been with Sean Colkin uh, as the tight end, and you know Virgil Green's been out because he's been hampered with an injury, but we know how good Hunter Henry is as a blocker. We saw how good Virgil Green was last year. Sean Colkin looks really good in the preseason as a blocker too, so uh, you know Hunter Henry, Virgil Green, Sean Colkin, the three tight ends for me as well. And I think you also get some special teams value out of both Green and Culkin, which is something you really don't expect to get out of Gates. You never got it out of Gates, but especially not at this at this stage of his career. Right, yeah. All right, so let's go ahead and wrap up offense and finish up with the why. Oh, we've got two more position groups. <laughs> I forgot about the offensive line. I don't even want to Garrett talk about them. Garrett wants to end the show. He wants to move on. <laughs> I want to skip offensive line is what I want to do. Uh, <laughs> wide receivers. Um, I've got six. I've got them carrying Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, and Travis Benjamin. Of course, the newly signed Dontrell Inman is on that list, and I have them keeping Artavis Scott and Jeremy Davis. I've toyed with Andre Patton for Jeremy Davis back and forth throughout this kind of day, thinking about who that last wide receiver spot's going to be. But, you know, they kept six wide receivers last year. Unfortunately, Andre Patton's the odd man out here. He caught two touchdown passes this preseason. I think with Artavis Scott and Jeremy Davis, uh, they stick because of their special teams ability. Scott as a returner and Jeremy Davis on coverage teams, which was important last year. It would not surprise me if Patton is snuck on on the 53, but I've got Davis and Scott as the last two wide receivers. I mean, if Davis and Scott lay an egg again like they did in game one and Patton goes off again, maybe has a you know 50-yard game or something like that, I could see Scott or Davis being swapped out for Patton. They are so close, and they're on the bubble. But I have them carrying six. Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Travis Benjamin, Dontrell Inman, Artavis Scott, and Jeremy Davis. Yeah, I I had the same group. I toyed with a couple different variations of this group as well. One of the ones that I so wanted to go with, and I wound up talking myself out of it, was looking at them bringing in Inman. I think that there might be a slim outside chance that they might cut Travis Benjamin. Mm. Uh, I kind of doubt it, which is why I didn't go with it, but I think (laughs) there's a possibility. Uh, And I'll tell you why. I think if you look at the move they made, you know, they, they kept Benjamin because they didn't have any veteran depth behind Allen and Williams. Uh, So you bring Inman in, who in my opinion is a better wide receiver three than Benjamin. Now he is not the speed guy that Benjamin is. He's not going to take the top off the defense, but he has that connection with Rivers. He's a great route runner. He makes tough physical catches. He always seems to make plays when they need him to. I think he is an upgrade over Benjamin as a wide receiver three. And then if you look at Benjamin's salary, if they were to cut him as a post-June 1 cut, they would have to eat $1.75 million, but they'd save a million on his, on his uh, base salary. And it just so happens that the three and a quarter, that the three quarters of a million difference between the savings on his base salary and the bonus that they'd have to eat. That's the same number they saved when they cut Dave Ben last week. 
David Bin. You mean Mike Wynn? Um, I did it again. <laughs> damn it! It's the same long time. I knew I was going to do that again. Yep. <laughs> another another white long time <laughs> long snapper. Yeah, um, nondescript. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so the numbers kind of work out. I think you get a lift in terms of wide receiver three if you keep Ben keep Inman over Benjamin. But I think in the end, they keep Benjamin strictly because of his speed, because that's something that really none of these wide receivers offer. And I agree with you. I think Davis, for his ability, his coverage ability, I mean, the special teams really took a big leap forward when they added him to special teams last year. So I think he sticks. And Scott, I think you're starting to see some hints that he can make some plays downfield. He had 31-yard catches in each of the last two games. He does have that return ability. I'm sure they could put him on coverage teams, and he could be effective there too. So you got those two guys working their way up the roster, and maybe you know later in the season they take another look at Benjamin. But I think for now they stick with six, with obviously Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Travis Benjamin, Dontrell Inman, Artavis Scott, and Jeremy Davis, with Davis probably being the most vulnerable if, like you mentioned, a guy like an Andre Patton had a big game on Thursday. Yeah, you know, I think once they restructure Travis Benjamin's contract, this was just going to be his last year and they're going to keep him. So I assume they're going to just roll with Travis Benjamin going into the season, but certainly possible, that's for sure. But let's uh let's get in this group. I don't want to uh, obviously <laughs> clearly cuz I tried to skip over him, but uh let's talk about the offensive line cuz <laughs> Anthony Lynn had a lot of Interesting things to say during his press frightening? conference. Yeah, frightening? Frightening. Yeah, frightening, interesting, yeah. Interesting Terrifying, was a nice horrifying. word. Horrifying. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I guess we can get into that later, but um, let's go ahead and talk about this offensive line. How many offensive linemen do you have them carrying? I have them carrying nine offensive linemen at the moment. Wow. And I think they sh- should be carrying ten, but there isn't a tenth that's worth keeping at the moment. So I have them keeping uh, Trent Scott, Forrest Lamp, Mike Pouncey, Michael Schofield, Sam Tevy, Dan Feeney, Scott Quesenberry, Trey Pipkins, and only because there's nobody else worth keeping, uh, Spencer Drango. I think those are the nine they wind up keeping. And I'm assuming this is under the assumption that Okun will not be back for the start of the regular season and might have to either have a player exemption a roster exemption or be placed on IR so that my, my, I am work. This is working under the assumption that they will not start with Okung on the active roster. Uh, and that remains to be seen because he worked out with Philip rivers and Mike Pouncey and Keenan Allen before the game on, on Saturday. So it's possible he could be back, but we just haven't had much of an update. So there's no way of knowing what to expect with him. So um, I've got eight, I've got everybody that you have, except Drango. And uh, that's a guy that I was going to add later on. I was kind of toying with that idea. So it's Sam Tevy, Dan Feeney, Mike Pouncey, Michael Schofield, Forrest Lamp, Trent Scott, Trey Pipkins, Scott Questenberry. Of course, uh, everybody's pretty much self-explanatory. Um, they've all played throughout the preseason. Uh, like you mentioned about Okung, uh, we're supposed to get information about that later on. But just speaking on what we were kind of alluding to, Anthony Lynn was saying that uh, no spot is locked in except the center spot with Mike Pouncey, basically. That Forrest Lamp, Dan Feeney, and Michael Schofield are all fighting for guard spots, left guard and right guard. Starting spots. Yeah, which is different than what we've seen in the preseason because it's been all Michael Schofield and right guard with the starters. And then 
at tackle, Sam Tevy, Trent Scott, and Trey Pipkins are all in the mix for starting tackle spots, right tackle, and left tackle with the starters. Yeah, so there's a lot of um a lot of a whole lot of terrifying in that in that comment right there. Um <laughs> uh I'm not sure where to start. Uh I, I find it interesting that he says that Schofield is still fighting for a job because like you mentioned, he's played every down at right guard uh with the starters both in training camp and in the preseason. The only time we've seen anybody else at right guard has been uh Forrest Lamp with the twos, and I think there might have been a little bit of either Quesenberry or Drango. Uh, at times in the first preseason game, maybe the first two preseason games. Uh, but it's been all Schofield the whole way. So to hear that he's not locked in as the right guard is kind of surprising to me. I think it's surprising in a good way because it means that they're evaluating him properly, I guess. Uh, but it's just kind of puzzling because he's gotten so so many of the first team snaps there that it didn't really seem like anybody's gotten a fair shake in a competition. Um, I think, you know, if you look at the way that uh, – that Feeney and Lamp have played. It seems like maybe Lamp has the inside track on one of those guard spots. He's had a lot of snaps at left guard. He's played a good good amount of snaps at right guard as well uh, with the twos, like I mentioned. I think he's getting better with every game. You could argue that he has been their best offensive lineman throughout the preseason, certainly in the last two games, mm-hmm. and particularly as a pass protector. Uh, I think there have been times where he's looked a little bit slow in the running game and maybe hasn't gotten to his spot, uh, but... Overall, you know, we've seen him get beat and recover. We've seen him dominate on some snaps. He's been very good at times. So I think he's been the most promising of all the guys that have played on a regular basis. Um, You know, you look at Scott. I mean, if you look at the tackles in general, I think you could make a pretty strong argument that Pipkins was the best tackle on the field for the Chargers on on Saturday, Uh, which is not saying a whole lot. But he actually, outside of a couple mistakes, which you expect, he actually played pretty well once he settled in, playing some right tackle, and I believe he played some left tackle. He had some key blocks on the first touchdown drive. So he seems like he's headed in the right direction, whereas it seemed like Tevi was chasing somebody down from behind basically every pass rush snap or pass protection snap he had. And Scott was better than he was the first two games, but still not very good. So uh, not a whole lot to pick from a tackle. And, I, I mean... It's nice that Pipkins is playing well, but to think that they might throw him out there as a starter uh, week one is a little scary. Yeah, it's interesting. But, um, you know, the fact that Schofield hasn't won a job is kind of nice to hear only because he hasn't been very good at all, really, the last couple games, the last two games at least. And I agree with you. I think Forrest Lamp's been the best uh, offensive lineman on the team this preseason. Uh, Dan Feeney's had his issues. Again, having a guy like Trey Pipkins out on the outside starting week one would be a nightmare. So hopefully that doesn't happen. Very good game three. Uh, He was definitely the best tackle. I agree with you there too. Um, I'm also wondering why they haven't ran Michael Schofield out at tackle. Uh, Maybe because he was bad at tackle the last time he played it and they don't (laughs) want to risk it. (laughs) They've got three bad tackles. They don't need four. Yeah, well, uh, maybe he's better than the ones that they have. I mean, the last time he ran out, I don't don't remember him being as bad as Tevi and Scott this preseason. But then again, it's been a while since I've seen him play tackle. So maybe it's just because I haven't seen it. And I'm I'm missing him at tackle, but um, I'm just surprised they haven't they haven't tried to mix that around. I thought that might be a a spot they would do, and they they haven't done, of course, force lamp at tackle either. Which I guess 
I understand it's his first year uh, really getting his feet under him, and they're just kind of not throwing too much at him. So it's interesting, but, uh, man, we'll, we'll see what the lineup's going to be week one. Yeah, I, I would have liked to see some of Lamp at, at right tackle. Um, I know some people have been calling for him to play left tackle. I, I doubt that happens anytime soon, but I would have liked to at least see him get a little sampling at right tackle just to see what he looks like because – I think he can play right tackle. I've said it since they drafted him. I'm convinced that he can play right tackle. Uh, and he certainly can't be any worse than Sam Tevy, who uh, seems to be getting worse by the snap, whereas I think Scott and Pipkins have been getting at least a little bit better mm-hmm. with increased opportunity. So uh, either throwing either Lamp or Schofield out there at least to see what they look like can't be that bad of an idea. Yeah. All right, so let's go ahead and move on to defense. Uh, we wrapped up with offense. Only difference is I'm keeping one less offensive lineman. So let's go ahead and move to defense, and we'll start in the interior. And that's the defensive tackles. I've got them carrying five. It's Brandon Meebane, Justin Jones, the rookie first-round pick Jerry Tillery, Damian Square, and the rookie seventh-round pick Cortez Broughton. Uh, I mean, this group seems like it's pretty much locked in. It was kind of locked in at the start of camp. There were no other interior guys really making noise. Uh, D-Liner had a half a sack. I think it was against the Saints. But, um, you know, not enough to leapfrog Cortez Broughton. Uh, But the other thing I'll say about this group is that though Damian Square is listed as a nose tackle, which they've done forever on the team's depth chart, he should definitely be getting a lot of reps at end which is where he succeeded last year, probably had his best season to date. So even though he's in this group, obviously a guy that can kick out and play some end, and hopefully we'll see a lot of that this season. Yeah, I actually have them keeping four defensive tackles. Uh, and I I went back and forth on this, and wasn't easy, but I do not have them keeping Broughton, even though I think he's played pretty well at wow. times in the preseason. I think with him being a seventh-round pick, it's a little easier to kind of write that off. Uh, and if you go back and look at what they've done at the tackle position and at, and at the end position the last couple of years since they switched to a 4-3, they usually keep four of each position. So I'm not sure they'll keep that fifth guy. And I think with the ability to kick guys like Rochelle and Bosa inside, there's less of a need to keep a fifth guy. So I have them keeping Brandon Meebane, Justin Jones, Jerry Tillery, and Damian Square. I would have thought that Broughton would beat Square out, but I think the fact that they consider Square a nose tackle – whereas Jones and Tillery are really three techniques. I think Square, with his veteran, with his experience and his veteran presence, I think he holds on to that final spot, and they do not keep five. I will also say that watching that game on Saturday, I have some serious concerns about the interior of that line. Now, granted, Meebane was not on the field, uh, but I have not been overly impressed with Justin Jones this preseason. I think he's flashed here and there. I think we've seen him make a couple of plays, but it seems like more often than not, against the run, he's three, four, five yards in the defensive backfield, and he's making plays four or five yards off the ball. So I do not think Jones is playing that well. I would have liked to see a whole lot more of Tillery uh, with the, the quote-unquote first-team defense uh, in week three. Hopefully we see that in week four. But I, I, th- I think Jones is going to start, but I'm not that impressed with him. I don't think Square looks all that good in the nose tackle position right now. And I'm a little concerned about what the interior of that line is going to look like because we really don't know what to expect from Meebane. I think he's 34 now. Uh, He was good down the stretch last year, but he also missed four games in the middle of the season. So who knows what to expect from him over the course of a 16-game season and where it looks like there's some depth in that tackle position. 
it's really not all that deep when you start looking at Mebane and Square and you don't really know what to expect from Jones. I think this this group is going to be a work in progress all season. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, I you know, I thought maybe TY McGill would be a lock in this group only because they need another zero tech, but um uh, he hasn't done much in the preseason, and so I didn't keep him. But uh, my thinking is if Damian Squares is spending a lot of time on the end, you got to need another interior guy. So I kept Broughton, but you're saying uh, because Bosa and Ingram can kick inside, I, I understand it, uh, but I got five, you got four. So uh, talk to me about uh, the some of the guys you are just talking about, the ends. How many defensive ends do you have them keeping? I had them keeping four ends, and I went back and forth between having them keep four and five, mm-hmm. uh, but I think yep. they ultimately keep four. Yep. Um, obviously they're keeping Bosa, Ingram and Rochelle, and there's one spot left. And I think there's some intrigue here because I think you could make an argument that Uchenna Nwosu is a better end than he is a linebacker and you could move him and make him an end and maybe keep an extra linebacker. But I think at the end of the day, what you're looking at, I I have them keeping Anthony Lanier over Chris Peace. Um, I, I think they're both very good. I think they're both very deserving of a roster spot, and I don't think either one of them is going to make it through waivers if the team cuts them, which is why it wouldn't entirely surprise me if they both made the roster, at least initially, and they tried to stash one of them late. Um, but the reason that I kept Lanier over Peace is because I feel like Lanier gives them another big body, somebody who can kick inside if they need to, and I think they already have their backup Leo uh, in Uchenna Nwosu playing double duty there at linebacker and end. So I think there's less of a need to keep peace, and I think there's more of a need to keep a bigger body uh, who can get off the ball and bend the edge, uh, somebody who's maybe a little bit even more slippery than Isaac Rochelle and can give them a little bit of interior and exterior pass rush. So I have them keeping four with Bosa Ingram, Isaac Rochelle, and Anthony Lanier the second. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. All right. So I got the same number. Uh, different guy, though, and it's really a coin flip here. It's Joey Bosa, Melvin Ingram, Isaac Rochelle. I have them keeping Chris Peace instead of Anthony Lanier. Uh, Peace had two big sacks. Lanier had the one on the two-point conversion. I mean, I think you can make a case for either uh, if not both, really. But um, either way, no matter who they cut, they got to keep one of them on the practice squad. They got to find a way to get them on their practice squad. It might be a little bit tough because they've both flashed a lot this preseason. Um, I have them keeping Chris Peace just because uh, they add another edge rusher. I think Isaac Rousseau is your big guy that you can kick inside. I get uh, that Nuos is going to be playing a lot of Leo, uh, and we'll talk about that when we get to linebackers. But um, I got them keeping Chris Peace, but... 
like you mentioned, it's it's such a close battle between Lanier and Peace. I knew I knew you're going to go Lanier though. You've had a big man crush on him all preseason. Yeah, I've just enjoyed watching him play. Yeah. I just like seeing guys who are that big move as well as he does, and I just feel like he just continues to flash and get better. So I and I think hopefully we'll see some of him maybe playing inside in the fourth preseason game to see if that's a possibility. Um, but I, I mean, I wouldn't really object to them keeping other one. Yeah, yeah, me neither. Um, I, I think they both earned it. They're both good football players, and they both can contribute to this team. So, you know, I'd be happy to be wrong if it's peace, uh, but I just I kind of prefer Lanier. Yeah, no, totally. If it's Lanier, they they've both deserve it, you know, so I uh, can't be upset if they go either way. All right, so on to linebackers. I've got them keeping seven. It is Uchenna Nwosu and Emeke Boule at the same. I've got Kaiser White, Denzel Perryman, Drew Tranquil. And then it will Thomas Davis and Jatavis Brown. So Thomas Davis, Kaiser White, Denzel Perryman all set in stone to make it. I got Ochen Nwosu as the linebacker uh, only because I think he's going to be playing a lot of that Sam Otto and base packages and then getting the majority of the snaps at Leo, like we mentioned, as a pass rusher. I, this is finally the year the team rids itself of Nick DeZubner. Drew Tranquil is improving with each preseason game. Mekig Boule is splashing on defense and special teams. I don't see a reason why you keep Nick DeZubner. Uh, I know he's a locker room guy and a special teams contributor, but you've got other guys that are younger and I think c- can contribute just as much as DeZubner does. And a lot more on the defensive side of the ball because DeZubner offers nothing as a defender. So... Uh, again, also part of this group, this is the make-or-break year for Jatavis Brown. He's going to be a free agent in 2020. This is it for him. You know, uh, He had a promising rookie year, fallen off every year since, had some injury issues. Uh, they've kind of drafted to say, hey, we're moving in a different direction, but uh, we'll make the roster as the uh, last linebacker. He will be seven. So Wichita Nuosu, Kaiser White, Thomas Davis, Denzel Perryman, Jatavis Brown, Drew Tranquil, and Emeka Boule for me. I have the same group. I will admit that the comments that Anthony Lynn made late last week about the right 53 not always being the best 53 with the best players kind of scared me because that kind of hints towards guys like Cardell and Nick DeZubner making the roster. <laughs> uh, but I think if you're honestly, objectively watching tape and watching how these guys play, uh, I mean, you really can't make an argument for keeping... Uh, for keeping DeZubner over a guy like Igbule, who is the only backup Sam on the roster, unless you want to move a guy like um, like Ingram out there, which you don't want to do. Nope. Um, he is a better athlete than DeZubner. He has more upside. I think he could act, he could make an argument that he could play two out of the three linebacker positions, but Sam is probably going to be his eventual landing spot. Um and he played pretty well on Saturday against the Seahawks. He's been getting better with every preseason game. Looks really good out there on the edge. He's flashed as a pass rusher once or twice, made some run stops. So I think Egbule is a guy who sticks. Um, and I think this this was basically written in stone, at least for me, back in January when the team decided to play seven defensive backs in the playoffs instead of their only two healthy linebackers, which at the time were Hayes Pollard and Nick DeZubner. It was basically, nope, we don't trust you. We're not going to put you out there. We don't care if we're small. This is what we're going with. And now you look at the linebackers they brought in in the last two off seasons, you know, Thomas Davis, Kaiser White, Drew Tranquil, Egbule. These guys are all 6'2", 6'3", with the exception of White. They're all naturally 230 to 240 pounds. They can all run. They can all hit. Uh, most of them can cover. So I just, 
I have a hard time seeing a guy like DeZubner who is one-dimensional, even though he's a good locker room guy, and I'm sure the coaches love him from a you know a work ethic standpoint, and they like him. He's a good example for the young guys on the team. I just think the time has come to move on. So uh, if if they wind up keeping DeZubner over Igbule, I think it's a huge mistake, and I don't think they will do that. I think it's pretty... I think it's pretty easy to see who needs to make this team. Yeah, and you know, as much as we rag on DeZubner, uh, it's admirable that he came from where he was, being an undrafted free agent, making such an impact on special teams the last few years. I mean, that's great, and it's a good story, like you mentioned, to have him around the younger kids and to tell his story, but uh, this is the year they got to cut bait and let DeZubner go. Yeah, I mean, you know, this is a league where the average career is three years long. And DeZubner is entering his fifth year as a guy who was an undrafted free agent, I think, out of Kent, uh, Cal Poly, Cal Poly, San Luis Obispo. So that in itself says a lot. He's earned every snap he's gotten on special teams. He's had some opportunities on defense and hasn't been able to cash him in. It's not a knock on him. It's not that we don't like him personally. Uh, they just have better options now. And it's just time for this roster to evolve and improve. And they finally have an opportunity to do that. So I think it was close last year, but he had just signed an extension. And now that they can cut him and not really have to eat any money, I think it's easier just to make that move and keep the younger, more athletic, less expensive Emeka Ekbule, who has earned a roster spot, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, same here. All right, let's move on to the defensive backs. We'll start with corners. How many have them keeping? I have them keeping five corners. Uh, And I got to tell you, this group scares the hell out of me. <laughs> uh, so there's a name on here that there's a name that is not on here that I would have thought would be here, but he's been hurt all camp. So I couldn't have them keeping him because I don't know what his status is. So the five that I have them keeping are Casey Hayward, Michael Davis, Des King, Brandon Faison, and Jeff Richards. And that's because for the second year in a row, uh, Trevor Williams had a quote unquote minor injury that nobody could seem to figure out what it was. He's missed all of camp. I don't think he's been in a single preseason game yet, and it's hard to rely on him. So, and you start looking at the the corner depth. I know there are some um, un, some undrafted free agents that people were excited about going into the off season. You know, a guy like an Arian Springs, uh, Rodney Randall, some other guys. But I think they're going to wind up going with Richards because he's been around longer. He. I guess he technically knows the defense, even though it doesn't look like it when he's on the field. Um, But none of these other guys have done anything to supplant him. So I think they keep the veteran. And let me tell you, if one of these corners goes down and they wind up deciding not to keep Trevor Williams or if he goes on the IR or whatever, and they have to dip into some of these guys on the practice squad, they're in big trouble because none of these backup corners behind Desmond King and I guess maybe Brandon Faison have done much of anything to earn a roster spot. So at the back of that group is pretty scary. I went back and forth, and of course Trevor Williams would be on my list. Um, and you know, Anthony Lynn was talking about how you know every player is different, but he seemed kind of annoyed with how Trevor Williams' injury just keeps going on and on and being dragged out as it is. So you know, you assume that he's close to ready to play, but it's been that way every week, and he hasn't practiced. So you can't put Trevor Williams on the list because he hasn't been healthy and you don't know how long that's going to go. And it's just like Okung. It's very murky. So if you take Trevor Williams off the list, which if he was healthy and just practiced, even if he practiced, he didn't have to play a game. If he practiced, he would make this list. That's how bad Jeff Richards has been. 
So, you know, you've got Casey Hayward, Michael Davis, Desmond King, Brandon Faison, and by default, you got to add Jeff Richards. If Trevor Williams practices the next day or two, he's on this team, and he's the fifth corner. But right now, you can't put him on the list because you assume that he's not going to be healthy enough to even play week one, and you can't have an unhealthy guy make your 53 and not ready to play. Arion Springs impressed in training camp, uh, both as a DB playing corner and safety, but he's been really quiet this preseason. Faison, of course, is the guy who was a special teams contributor last year, had some snaps on defense, so obviously earns a corner spot here too. And again, uh, it's it's Jeff Richards, but only because Trevor Williams just has not played. Yeah, the situation with Trevor Williams is really starting to remind me of Jerry Itachu when Anthony Lynn first got here, where he was constantly hurt every year before Itachu got, or before Lynn got here. Then the year he got here, he was finally healthy. It seemed like he was finally ready to contribute, and he was inactive every week because Anthony Lynn was basically just like, I can't trust you to stay healthy if you're going to be on the field, so you're just not going to be on the field. And it's starting to feel that way with, with Trevor Williams. Oh, he's close to practicing. He's close to practicing. He's getting better. And then he doesn't practice, and he's inactive for the game. So uh, I, it just doesn't seem like this is the kind of guy that Anthony Lynn is going to want to rely on, even though he was so good two years ago. It just seems like he's running out of options. I, I mean, how do you rely on him at this point? All right, so let's uh, finish up defense, and it's safeties. I got them keeping five. I've got them keeping Rayshon Jenkins, Adrian Phillips, Nasir Adderley, Jalen Watkins, and Roderick Teamer. So with uh, Derwin James out, I think they got to add another safety in Roderick Teamer. You know, Rayshon Jenkins has done enough to secure that free safety spot, uh, made a pretty good play against the Seahawks in a play where he was trailing but able to catch up and uh, knock a ball away. And I think... Uh, Lynn was talking about how he doesn't want to keep Adrian Phillips at strong safety full time. So what I'm assuming is that they're going to have Phillips as a strong safety in base and then march him down in his nickel linebacker spot the rest of the time, which means he needs some uh, safety depth in Watkins, Adderley and Teamer. Jalen Watkins can play some corner. So, you know, maybe not having having Jeff Richards there, you can maybe throw Jalen Watkins there if need be, but a versatile piece that can play both safety spots. Um, had the big interception in the preseason, so I've got them keeping five. Rayshon Jenkins, Adrian Phillips, and Sierra Adderley, Jalen Watkins, and Roderick Teamer. I have the same five. Um, what we've been seeing the last two weeks in the preseason is, like you mentioned, Phillips starting in base defense uh, at the strong safety position, and they've been bringing Watkins in to play strong safety and and moving uh, Phillips down to his nickel and dime linebacker role uh, in sub packages, and I think we'll see a lot more of that. And you mentioned Watkins being able to play corner. Adderley was also a college corner, so he could play corner, and I think he's a guy who might benefit from being moved around and being more of a wild card as opposed to playing one particular position. And with him not being around to compete with Jenkins – uh, for that free safety role, you know, maybe if he's healthy and he gets into this fourth preseason game, maybe you see Watkins and Adderley playing some slot corner, moving around and providing some depth and some versatility there. And then obviously Teamer with the special teams value, and he he's looked really good at at, the, at both safety positions. He's played some free safety and some strong safety in the in the preseason, and he's looked good in both. Uh, he did not play last week because he tweaked a hamstring in practice, so he wound up sitting the sitting the game out. He wasn't active. Hopefully he will be back on the field for practice this week, and he will make it onto the field in the preseason game because I'd like to see more of him. He's just fun to watch. He seems like he's going to be a good contributor in two phases of the game. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Roger Teamers made a case to make this team, and we both have them making it. Anthony Lynn said today that it looks like Adderley will play in Game 4, but uh, we'll see how that goes throughout the week. So let's uh, let's finish this thing up and go on to special teams. Uh, long snapper's easy, so I won't even throw it to you. Cole Maz is the only long snapper on the roster, so that's his job from here on out. Uh, kicker, do we need to discuss this at all? Nope. Yeah, Ty Long missed both his extra point attempts uh, against the Seahawks. So <laughs> Michael Badgley's the guy and punter between Ty Long and Tyler Newsom. Who you got, Jamie? It's Ty Long. He's yeah. going to be the the field goal, the kickoff. He's going to handle kickoff duties. He's going to be the punter and he's going to be the holder on on PATs. So he fills three roles, gives them some of that versatility. They don't have to carry an extra kicker just to handle kickoffs, which is a good, a good thing. Yep. Gives them some added flexibility there. So yeah, definitely Ty Long. I just, he's been so much better than Newsom as a punter and his ability to handle those other two roles, I think just locks it in. I think that was almost decided before the preseason even started. Yeah, no, Ty Long's had some very, we don't want to talk about kickers and here we are talking kickers, but uh, he had, <laughs> uh, he had some good kicks against the saints where he pinned them, uh, Within the ten, one time I think on the seven, and then that kick out of his own end zone where, uh, where I don't remember who the Seahawks returner was, where he bobbled it was a beauty. That was he kicked that from about three yards deep in the end zone to like the the opposing thirty five, I think. Yeah, no, he it was killed great. that ball. Yeah, yeah. So good to see a uh, punter. I, I was hoping that he would make his uh, extra points, but who cares? He's not the kicker. But I guess you know, in a pinch. Hey, he, he used to kick field goals, and they could be worse off. So that's it. Uh, you've got them carrying one more offensive lineman. I've got them carrying one more defensive lineman. And we differ on the last defensive end. You've got Anthony Lanier. I've got Chris Peace. Yeah, uh, pretty similar, which I guess is kind of how this exercise usually turns out for us. Uh, <laughs> there's not usually a— But also, I mean, there is something to be said about how little turnover there was this year that there weren't as many competition, open competitions as there have been in past years for roster spots. Now there's open left guard, right guard tackle spots, but there isn't that who's going to be the last corner spot, who's going to be that last. There wasn't really that much competition this year in years past. You know what's interesting is, uh, I don't know if you caught it, but during the Saints game, Fouts said that he had talked to Anthony Lynn and there were nine roster spots up for grabs heading into the preseason. And they were still open as of the Saints game last week. So there were a lot of jobs, a lot of roster spots open. It just doesn't seem like any of the guys that they were hoping would step up did so. Right. With the exception of maybe like an Egbule, a Teamer. There are a few guys, but not most of these guys, most of the guys that are on this roster are guys that you would have assumed would make the roster heading into camp. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, that does it for us. We're going to be back here after the 53 cuts to review the roster and see how right and or wrong we were. I am at Garrisisti on Twitter. Jamie? At lightning underscore round. And we will see you next time. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everybody.